We come to church not to be bummed out. <laughs> we come to church so that we, we can interact with God and hear from heaven and be changed for the better. We come to church so that we can go from, from this level of glory and thank God for this level, but so that we can go to the next level. And then, and then the next level. God is raising you up in this hour. He's raising up the church and he's raising up you individually. Amen. Amen. Opening scripture comes from the book of Romans chapter 12 verse 21. And these are the words of Jesus. Uh, Forgive me, the words of, of the apostle Paul. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Let me try that again, seeing I had a little stumble. (laughs) There's a world in that verse right there. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Lord, thank you for your anointing. Speak to us, build us up, challenge us, correct us. Change trajectories, Lord God. Heal. Infuse life and direction in Jesus' name. We praise you and thank you for this precious gathering and those at home as well. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank God for the anointing. Without the Holy Ghost, this is just a social club. Who needs a social club? You don't need another social club. You might as well have gone golfing if that's what you're looking for. But we came to hear from heaven. Amen. Amen. Let me read this in the Amplified Bible. This is our text. Do not let yourself be overcome by evil, but overcome and master evil with good. The indication in this particular translation says that we have a choice. Look, I live in this world the same way that you do. And I don't know where you're watching from at home, but here in the Bay Area, there are some things that are screaming at us. Wickedness and evil is screaming at us. And I feel this call from heaven saying, Don't let it intimidate you! Don't let it make you sit back and hide in a, in, behind closed doors. He needs us to be bold as a lion in this hour. It doesn't help that through social manipulation, we have been plummeted or plummeted with, uh, redefinitions of words like calling evil good and good evil. It is inconceivable to me that someone could look at the Bible and call it hate speech. No greater love has any man than he laid down his life for his friends. I don't know. Actually, I do know where they came up with that idea. It wasn't from heaven. The word of God is not hate speech. It's love speech. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him, come on, should not perish, but what? Have everlasting life. He didn't come in the world to condemn it or to hate it. He came into the world to love it. Praise God. This is good news, not bad news. But people all around us are calling it Bad news. Don't take the bait. I like what it says in the uh, couple of different translations. It says, don't let evil conquer you. That would be the living, new living. And then the passion says, never let evil defeat you. I'm going to go there for a moment. We've all felt intimidation. In one way or another. Let me paint a picture of intimidation for you. I'm driving 
on a street and suddenly there's a squad car behind me. <laughs> you get that feeling? Oh, you check your speed. <laughs> you get that feeling like... That feeling. I'm not saying anything bad about the police car that came, but they're following you and you, you feel like self-conscious, like, am I doing okay? That feeling is trying to reach into your kitchen to mess with your gas stove. That feeling is trying to mess with your landscaping when you use a gas lawnmower. That feeling is trying to mess with you when you come to church to worship God and say, don't you sing in church? And by the way, you are to be commended this morning because, wow, you just welcomed the presence of God. It was, he was so tangible in this room. Do you remember that? I, I think the last three years have been a, a, a horrible, horrible experience. And not, who had fun in the last three years? <laughs> Intimidation. You can't really speak your mind or you can't... You feel like it says that because of the evil in the world, now Jesus did say that, because of the evil is increasing in the world, the love of many will do what? Will wax cold. He said, but by your love, people are going to know that you're my disciples. By the love that just oozes and flows out of you. Love Cannot, real love, cannot be intimidated. Love loves in the face of anything. Never gives up. Never fails. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One of the things that has really helped to confuse our society is this turning upside down. And it came through a number of means, but academia and just... You know, we, we let it happen. I, I'm going to read to you a few statistics and you'll say, ah, that's why we are where we are. This comes from a Barna study. It's called The End of Absolutes, America's New Moral Code. Listen to this. Christian morality is being ushered out of, Christ, uh, of American social structures and off the cultural main stage, leaving a vacuum in its place. And the broader culture is attempting to fill the void. Um, new research from the Barna reveals growing concern about the moral condition of the nation. How many of you feel concerned about? You've seen things in the last two, three years that you thought you would never see. Are you kidding me? In my lifetime, I've never seen such a slide. But it says here that many American adults admit they are uncertain about how to determine right from wrong. Wow. Many. We'll have some numbers in a moment. It's kind of staggering, but it says, so, uh, uh, so morality is in radically different ways from the broader public. Are, they're equally influenced by the growing tide of secularism, speaking of Christians, and religious skepticism. Now, notice what it says here. A sizable number of Americans see morality as a matter of cultural consensus. In other words, well, you'll see what it says. Two I'm going to put glasses on here. I don't want to miss something. Two I can do this. Two-thirds of American adults either believe moral truth is relative to circumstances, 44%, or have not given it much thought, 21%. About one-third, on the other hand, believes that moral truth is absolute, that's 35%. Millennials are more likely than other age cohorts to say uh, moral truth is relative. In fact, half of them say so. That's 51%. Compared to 44% of Gen Xers and 41% of boomers, 39% of elders among the generations, boomers are the most likely to say moral truth is absolute. So some of the older ones. While elders are more likely than other age groups to admit that they have never thought about it. 28% of Americans, according to this thing, haven't even thought about it. Are you kidding me? They haven't thought about what's happening in our schools? What's happening on our streets? You haven't thought about it? What are you, fishing? 
Have you driven down Oakland any time recently? Come on, Brother Andre, help me out a little bit. Have you, have you seen some of the scenes from San Francisco? Take a drive, honey. Take a drive in Oakland, man. Barna's research reveals the degree to which Americans pledge allegiance to, listen to this, the morality of self-fulfillment as the new moral code, as David Kinnaman, president of Barna, argues, has all but replaced Christianity as a cultural moral norm. Now, what I'm teaching or going to be sharing with you today is not necessarily on the moral norm, but... I want you to know that if you start tweaking this and tweaking that, eventually the Word of God gets taken out of the equation and something begins to happen. Evil begins to manifest. But instead of us hiding and being nervous and sitting around in our Christian golf club playing Christian cards, having going to a Christian coffee shop, no offense, or going to a Christian <laughs> restaurant with all Christian friends and going to a Christian store to buy our Christian, uh, our Christian uh, groceries, wake up. Evil is all around you. And we are not called to be taken out of the world. That was Jesus' priestly prayer. I pray not that you take them out of the world, but that you would preserve them from the evil that is in the world. Other translations, that you would be preserved from the evil one. Whew. I, I love this story. It was about Rabbi Zacharias' little daughter. They were in, they were in, in Israel traveling. You know, he did a lot of traveling. He's, of course, with the Lord now. But what, what happened was there was these this Israeli soldiers and other soldiers with, with these, uh, these uh, weapons. And this little girl, I don't know how old she was. Let's say she was six. I, I guess she was six. She just unashamedly went up to this huge man with all this... Uh, Kevlar and all this stuff and a machine gun and everything like this she went up to him and she said excuse me excuse me sir and this guy looks down at this little kid he goes she says do you have any bubble gum <laughs> he looked at that little girl and he, he looked at his colleague he took off his weapon he says come with me he went and they brought him platters of things plus gum. And then they put her whole family ahead of the line and put them through. They didn't even have to do the custom thing and all that, you know. But the, uh, that paints such an awesome picture of a person, of a child that is completely innocent and unintimidated by the killing machine that's standing in front of her. She goes up to the killing machine and says, Excuse me, do you have some bubble gum? <laughs> really? I believe that the church of the living God needs to be undaunted by the evil that is in the world. We need to do what Tony Herrera and his team does. God bless you, Brother Tony. They go out there and unabashedly, they don't ask people for bubble gum, but they ask them, hey, can I talk to you about, about, you know, Jesus for a little bit? And people get born again. And people got born again last week. We should not be hiding out. Evil, evil. So there's concern about evil. Well, I was, I was going to say where, where the morals have gone. The morality of self-fulfillment can be summed up in six guiding principles as seen in the table below. And they had a little table. These are, these are, these are some of the guiding principles of this new morality. And this, this affects Christians too, not just secular people. Number one, the best way to find yourself is by looking within you. Really? That's a good way to get confused. The best way to figure out who you are is to look into the perfect law of liberty. That's how you find out who you are. Find out who you are in Christ. Hallelujah. It says, people should not criticize someone else's life choices. 
Well, I'm not suggesting that you criticize or judge other people, but really, you have to have a discerning eye and a discerning heart. This is good, and this is not so good. In fact, this is really bad. Then you have, to be fulfilled in life, you should pursue the, pursue the things that you desire most. That's not what fulfills you. Jesus clearly said that we are to be servants. If you really want to be fulfilled in life, follow the plan of God for your life. Yield yourself to Him. Don't look for pleasure and what makes me feel good. Look for, Lord, what would you have me to do? How can I serve somebody? Make me a blessing. I love Roxy Lily. If you're watching, this is, this is a shout out for Roxy Lily. She was always saying, Lord, make me a blessing today to somebody. And she was, praise the Lord. So, look, here's another one. The highest, here's a number, what, one, two, three, four. The highest goal of life is to enjoy it as much as possible. Come on, guys. Really? We are not on vacation, and this is not a cruise. We are on a mission, and you're soldiers. You've got a mission to perform. You've got a world to reach, a devil to beat up on, and a good story to tell. So the highest goal is not to enjoy life as much as possible. Although when you serve the Lord, he said that at his right hand, there is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. You want real joy? You want real happiness? Connect with him. Hallelujah. Here's another one. Uh, People can believe whatever they want as long as those beliefs don't affect society. That people could believe whatever they want. as long. It always affects society. Are you kidding me? We have some poison floating around right now in our schools. We've got poison floating around in our social structures. Because someone took that position and they didn't speak up. And they allowed, can I just say it, doctrines of demons <laughs> to start taking over. And parents didn't go to the PTA meeting like, what in the world are they showing our kids anyway? What's going on? <laughs> Hallelujah. And here's a good one, or the last one. You should say, any kind of sexual expression between two consenting adults is acceptable. Anything goes. Oh, really? Friends, that's, I've got to tell you something. Following after a doctrine like that or, or that as a guiding is, is a sure path to misery. You've got to follow the law of the Lord. Hallelujah. Somebody said hallelujah. hallelujah. So let me, uh, let me say, uh, let me see if I could skip a little bit. So one of the things that you see here about, uh, about evil, I want to I read a few synonyms for evil so that you can understand, uh, better, get a better handle of when you see it. Because the book of Hebrews talks about how those that have... Uh, uh, partaken of, of meat, solid food, are able to uh, use their senses and are exercised to discern between good and evil. So let's, let's look at a couple of manifestations. How about anarchy, unrest, chaos, turmoil, strife, criminality? How, how's the crime lately? Uh, the, the crime rate lately? I'm going to tell you something. You can hardly go to sleep at night without somebody trying to steal your catalytic converter. Am I preaching real good now? Unbelievable! The first time it happened at our household, they didn't get it. They tried. They didn't quite. But, but I'll tell you, this real loud sound, it's right outside my bedroom window. And we're like, man, who's, who's working on construction at 3 or 4 in the morning? And I'm just rolling over, you know, like, why, 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 why? <laughs> but we get out there, and they, it's a guy with some kind of a saw cutting off a catalytic converter. I'm like, seriously? And they ran. They left, they, they left the jack, and they only sawed one part of the muffler, you know. Like, really? Like, serious? Then, if, you, if that ain't good enough, you go get it fixed, you know. And then it happened again. Like, seriously? Seriously? 
Oh, it's a thing. There's, there's uh, criminality in the streets. Or did you notice? And then there's this. Um, disorganization. Havoc. Confusion. How about riot? There were times, I won't say when, but there were times where there was a mob that descended into our city, into my little city of San Leandro, and they must have been organized because they took a, a tractor trailer and crashed through the Dodge dealership and stole, I thought it was like a dozen, or, but it was more than that, Dodge Chargers. They just, like, really? This is... I mean, I appreciate that you're standing up for a cause, but it, what, what is stealing all those brand new Dodge Chargers? Really? Uh, how is that? That's, that's ridiculous. It was a riot. They burned our, uh, our Walmart. How many of you live near Castro, I mean, uh, San Leandro and know that the Walmart was closed for months? Set it on fire. Like, really? Riots. Friends, it was a riot. Disarray, uprising. Uh, tumult, disturbance, and so forth. You get the picture, amen? Can you see what we're saying? So when you see that, there's evil present. That's not God. That's not the Spirit of God. So, but, but how do we do this? I mean, when you hear, when you hear the, the, the roar of, of the bombs going off on July 4th, I never heard anything like that before in my life. Like, where did they get all those firecrackers? They're not firecrackers, they're bombs. Boom, 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 boom. It was scary. I mean, I don't know if you had dogs or cats and they're all trying to get close to you and hide under the covers. It was, it was outrageous. So I want to just boldly say that there have been manifestations of evil. But here's the good news. Where sin abounds, grace, come on, grace does much more abound. I like what it says in, the, in Romans chapter 5 verse 20 part B. It says where, where sin increased and abounded... Grace, God's unmerited favor has surpassed it and increased the more and superabounded. Hallelujah, superabounded. Young's literal says, where sin did abound, the grace did overabound. NLT says, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. The message says it this way, uh, uh, but sin uh, didn't and doesn't have a chance in competition with the aggressive forgiveness we call grace. When it's sin versus grace, grace wins hands down. Hallelujah. I just want to be clear that we're on the winning team. Hallelujah. The voice said this, no matter how much sin crept in, there was always more grace. I like that. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm so happy today that the blood of Jesus will never lose its power. But friends, there's, there's nothing new under the sun. Jesus said that as in the days of Noah, so will it be in the last days. So I want us to go to Genesis chapter 5, 6, verse uh, 5 and 9. I'm in the New King James. And the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. How about that? And it sounds almost like what's happening today. It's like, I, I don't really like to watch the news very much. It's ridiculous. How many of I mean, can we be honest? It's ridiculous, the kind of evil that's being perpetrated today. Uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. But look what it says in verse number nine. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man. The only, and this is in the NLT, uh, yeah, the, he was the only blameless person living on earth at the time. That's, that's amazing to me. Think about that. Saying that every thought was wickedness. Every thought was evil. Every plan, every business, everything, the purpose of everything was evil. But there was one person on the face of the planet that walked with God. I have news for you. There's more than just one person walking with God. First of all, I've got my family heart of the bay. Uh-huh. And we're walking with God. But you are not alone. I feel like Elisha, when he said to, to his servant, he said, Hey, Lord, open his eyes. 
He says, alas, master, what shall we do in the book of, you know, uh, 2 Kings 6. And the Lord opened his eyes and all around they were surrounded by chariots of fire. Friends, you are an ambassador of the highest order. You have an entourage of angels that accompany you in all your ways of obedience and service. Don't you dare turn down the love. You turn up the heat on love. You reach out in your world. Jesus said this, go into all the world and preach the gospel. I like to say it this way. Go into all of your world, wherever your world is, every component of your world, and let the love of God just go out, like it said in that one scripture, with aggressive forgiveness and with love. People need real love right now. They've been beat down by the circumstances of recent years. They're broke. They're sick. They don't feel good. They're scared. But when you go with the love of God, with an open heart into your world, don't just go to the Christian restaurant and the Christian reading book area. And the, You've got to go into your world, the fullness of it. Praise God. And I know there's several that do that. <laughs> and there's great reward. Amen? Amen. You may feel like you're surrounded by evil. But I want to encourage you today. There are more that be with you than those that be out there in the world. So now I'm going to take us into a slight, a, a little direction. Uh, and that is when we say evil... I'm going to borrow from Strong's uh, H7489, and I'm going to kind of put a few definitions on it. Something that's bad, something that's evil, natural or moral, adversity, affliction, calamity, distress. Uh, how about this? Something that's sad, something that injures, something that's wicked. We're surrounded with people that are hurting other people. We're surrounded with wicked spirits. If you say evil spirit, you could say harmful spirits. Evil harms people. Evil harms little children. Evil harms marriages. It harms families. So, uh, you know, let me just read something that I found by a well-known author. I kind of just discovered him recently. Bob Hostetler, he's, a, he's an author. He was ordained with the, of all things, the uh, Salvation Army. And uh, he has, he's a featured author and speaker in various areas and has co-authored books with other Christian uh, authors. And he says this, we're going we're gonna to center in on this because I need you to know, God does not want you scared. He doesn't want you intimidated when you go out into your world. Just in what condition are you going out into your world? We need to get you ready to go out into your world and help you to know that you have the upper hand. So, in his prayer, deliver us from evil. This is the article. You know, Jesus uh, gave... In, when the disciples said, ask us or, or teach us how to pray, among the things that he prayed in the Our Father which art in heaven, it was he said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Listen to some things that Bob has to say. When Jesus taught his followers to pray, he told them to say, deliver us from evil. It is, in all its simplicity, a threefold acknowledgement. Number one, deliver us from evil, acknowledges the existence of evil. There are fools with a lot of PhDs behind their name that say there's no evil. They call us evil. Jesus doesn't pretend that evil is a mere state of mind. On the contrary, Jesus says we live in a fallen world. A world in which people steal from others. They lie to others. They hurt others. They hate others and even try to kill one another. So, so he acknowledge, Jesus acknowledges that evil exists. Number two, deliver us from evil acknowledges that we need deliverance. And that deliverance is available. So, 
I've got to stress again, Jesus did not say, take them, I'm, not, I'm praying for, him, for them, he said in his priestly prayer in the book of John. But he, he didn't say, take them out of the world. He said, protect them and deliver them from evil that is in the world while they're in the world. Don't try to get away uh, from it because it's everywhere you go, there it is. So here it is. Deliver us from evil acknowledges that we need deliverance. We don't need to deny that evil surrounds and threatens and sometimes overwhelms us or detach ourselves from it. We need deliverance from it. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Thank God for good teaching like at Heart of the Bay where they teach you to stay in Psalm 91. Praise the Lord. Under the shadow of the Most High. Praise God whose power no foe can withstand. And you are trained, Christian, in this church. If you've been in this church for any length of time, I know that you've heard at least one or two messages by Pastor Mark Thomas exhorting you to say of the Lord, you are my refuge. You are my fortress. My God, in whom I will trust. You can't play around. This is mom's God or, or my, my uncle's God. No, this got to be your God and you have to make him your God and you have to make him your refuge in whom you will safely trust. And then there's the power of the blood. Ha ha, don't get us started. Let's go to number three. Deliver us from evil acknowledges that we can be delivered. When Jesus included the phrase deliver us from evil in his model prayer, he clearly wanted his followers to understand that deliverance was possible. It is obtainable. It's available. Pray then like this, Jesus said. Deliver us from evil. I don't care what city you live in in the Bay Area. We, we lived in Castro Valley. I always thought Castro Valley was a real nice place. I think it's a nice place. How many of you live in Castro Valley? Let's see those. Yeah, see that. Oh, good. There's another one. Thank you. We lived in Castro Valley. We reared our family for many, many years in Castro Valley. And uh, we went one day to Jack in the Box. <laughs> My wife knows where I'm going with this story. We went to Jack in the Box. I had no idea what was going to happen at Jack in the Box. We're at the counter, saying, seeing what the menu is. We're order, placing our order, hamburger this and that, you know, fries this and that and the other thing. How I many know that's a good thing to do when God blesses you so you can go and order a burger and some fries and you're there with your little kids and everything? Is that right? Is that right? Okay, that's right. That's what I'm talking about. We placed our order, paid our money. It says, okay, well, just you can find a table and your order will be ready shortly. It says, oh, good. So we got our kids, you know, nice little family. Whoa, one kid? Okay, so it was one kid then at the time. So we find our little table, the one that's just right. And then something crazy starts to happen. This crazy person walks into Jack in the Box. Actually, they're having an argument. There's an argument at the walk-up window and, and something or another. And boy, this guy comes around, comes into the Jack in the Box. And he's, I never heard so many bad words in all my life. I think he could teach sailors a few words. And, the, and the, the, the level was real high. And it wasn't going anywhere good anytime soon. And we're all kind of like in shock. This can't happen here. This is Castro Valley. <laughs> this is a nice little family neighborhood here. You can't do this. Surprise. And before you know it, they're yelling behind the counter. They're yelling at the counter. This dude is off. It's getting bad. So they start throwing hamburgers from behind the counter. They start throwing, who knows if they had tacos back then. I'm sure the tacos were the secret weapon. Man, I wish I was close. I'd grab one too. How many of you like those jack-in-the-box tacos? They're so junky, but they taste so good. Not authentic, by the way. And they are throwing stuff back and forth. And then this dude, that, that crazy guy that came in, he's grabbing the silverware and he's throwing it at them like, Oh, no, you didn't. And they're going back. 
I don't know if they're throwing ice cream or whatever it is that's going on. I finally say, you know, we finally get out of the shock of what's going on here. And I grab my family and says, come on, let's go, let's go. And so uh, on our way to the women's room, (laughs) figured it was right. You know, my wife would take my wife, protect her, you know. The people behind the counter grabbed the the 50-gallon coffee thing, right? They grabbed this thing, and they said, and they threw this hot water all over the dude. Yeah, yeah. And the fight kept going, and the swearing got worse. But we went into the ladies' room and locked the door. It felt like all hell was breaking loose at Jack in the Box. All hell is breaking loose at Jack in the Box in a real nice Jack in the Box in Castro Valley. And finally the police arrive and they secure the perpetrator. And then I feel like, no, I wish I had a dove or two to send out the bathroom to see if it's okay. (laughs) See, See if the violence has receded a little bit. It was real quiet. So we... We get around to the side. You could not recognize the counter or everything and behind the counter or in front of the counter. There was food everywhere. There was coffee and soda and ice cream and... I'll expand a little bit. This is evangelistic. Tacos everywhere. (laughs) Burgers of all kinds. Sourdough sandwiches of every kind. All over the floor. It was a mess. And it was like, I looked at my wife. She looked at me. We looked at our kid. And I went to the counter. And the lady behind the counter had food all over her and everything. I said, I said, can I have my money back? <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yeah, I got my money back. It's pretty good. Wasn't as much money as you'd get back today. I mean, you've got to pay $20 for a little hamburger this big, you know. Got my money back. We were just happy to get out of there. God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able. But He will always make a way of escape for you. You've got to have faith and trust in that. Now for us, salvation came in the way of the ladies' room. And I locked the door. For you, He'll be there for you. I said He will be there for you. Jesus, does he get answers to his prayer? Yes, Yes, he does. Jesus definitely gets uh, answers to his prayer. And he said to the Father, deliver them from the evil one. Deliver him from the evil world. And I believe that includes evil people. Not a stretch. So having this kind of confidence... Whenever you go into your world, whenever you go to Jack in the Box, (laughs) understand, I'm going to jump to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 15 in the Amplified. Show yourselves to be blameless and guileless, innocent and uncontaminated, the children of God without blemish, faultless, unrebukable in the midst of a In the midst of... Let's stop right there. I I have to stop there. In the midst. In the midst of. You you got that? There are a lot of people leaving California. I don't blame them. But, you know, things are not hunky-dory in L.A. Things are not hunky-dory in San Francisco. Where's Danielle? Are they, Danielle? San Francisco's... It's a jungle. Things are not hunky-dory in Oakland. Do I have any Oakland people here. You live in Oakland or you do business or work in Oakland. You see, things are not hunky-dory, but he said this. 
You are going to be in the midst of a crooked and wicked generation. It says here, spiritually perverted and perverse. It says here, among whom you shine as bright lights, stars or beacons shining out clearly. Don't you let the devil put your light out. You stay nice and sweet. You stay salty. Well, what is it, sweet or salty? Well, it could be both. Have you ever had sweet and sour? (laughs) You are the light of the world, Jesus said. Hallelujah. Don't let the devil intimidate you. Among whom you shine as lights or beacons shining out clearly in the dark world. So if we have tacos one day, we may talk about how things are pretty dark, but we've got to get around to just how bright things are on the inside. Just how glorious and how good God is and how He's able to super abundantly go way over the top to help people in those circumstances. Hallelujah. So I see a scripture in Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1 through 3. Arise and shine, church, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. You're not going to get away from it. Pray that we won't have evil anymore. What, Like Brother Hay, you want me to pray that you die? You've got to go to heaven for that. Right now, the forecast is gross darkness. Sorry, that's just how it is. Amplified Bible says dense darkness, all the people. But, but, the Lord will arise upon you. Thank God for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. It's not for a select few. It's for whosoever will. The day you turned your life over to Jesus and the day you determined to allow His presence to indwell your life and that you would really give your life over to Him and you would live a fearless life. The glory of God will be risen upon you and stay on you whenever you go and wherever you go. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I sleep good at night. And it's not because, you know, I have locks on my doors. Or because, you know, there might be an alarm or not. That's not what keeps me secure. It's, I have a covenant with God. And we're on assignment. Hallelujah. New King James Version says that, Deep darkness will cover the people. NIV and ESV says thick darkness. So look at this in the message. I'm going to do this. The, the Isaiah 60, 1 through 3, that, that little section says, The whole earth is wrapped in darkness. Think about that. All the people sunk in deep darkness. But! Everybody say but. But God rises on you. God rises on you. God rises on you. Hallelujah. His sunshine glory breaks over you. Nations will come to your light. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Kings to your sunburst brightness. Look up, look around. Watch as they gather. Hallelujah. Watch as they approach you. Praise God. So I think people, I think faith is higher than when I first started. There was some really terrible statistics that I brought out, you know. But while in the meantime, right here in the world, while people are calling evil good and good evil and some outrageous things are happening, I do not rejoice. And none of us can possibly rejoice as to what's happening, the shootings and so on that has been happening recently. That sort of thing, the church needs to step it up and bind those things. He's given us authority. You have everything, church, that you need for life and godliness. You have, like, like we understand we're not fighting against people. We're fighting against principalities. Just look at Ephesians 6. Put on the whole armor of God. Amen. The whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil. Thank you, Brother Steve, in the evil day. Praise the Lord. We're almost come to a close here. 
So let's see if I could, if I could um, bring us to uh, a, a, another, a real nice landing place. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's pretty good. Here it is. Okay, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to bring out a familiar scripture, and I'm going to, I'm going to say this is, this is medicine for Bay Area dwellers as I close out this, this message. Medicine for Bay Area dwellers. If you live in Chicago, if you live um, in Oakland, I, I'm trying to think of some of these. You probably know the counties that have the most violent crime and that sort of thing. Um, Al- Al- Alameda? Alameda County? Woo! There it is. This is medicine for us. This will supercharge you to help you to wherever you go in your world to overcome evil with good. Hallelujah. So we've heard this before, but I believe the context is even more powerful at encouraging us. Hallelujah. We're familiar with Jeremiah 29.11 in the Amplified Version. You'll see it on the screen in a moment. For I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts and plans for welfare and peace and not for evil, to give you hope in your final outcome. What a wonderful scripture. Isn't that awesome? That God has thoughts and plans for us. But even more significant is the context I need to go to Jeremiah 29, verse 1, then 4 through 11, to give you a context of when these words were spoken. The prophet Jeremiah, and I'm in the God's Word translation, the prophet Jeremiah sent a letter from Jerusalem to the rest of the leaders among the captives. What? He also sent it to the priests, the prophets, and all the people that Nebuchadnezzar took away as captives from Jerusalem to Babylon. So get the picture. They're not in a Christian social club. They're in Babylon. They're captives. And they're under an evil regime. Get it. Skip to verse 4. This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says to all those who were taken captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. Listen to this. Build houses. Not hide out in caves. Build houses. Live in them. Plant gardens. Eat what they produce. Get married. Get and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your son. Let your daughters get married so they can have sons and daughters. Grow in number there. Right there in the nasty there and there. There's the King James, I believe it says, and do not decrease, but rather increase. Hallelujah. Right there in the middle of it. In the middle of this crazy Bay Area. <laughs> now notice this. Watch this. Work for the good. Listen, Christian. Work for the good of the city where I've taken you as captives. We're spending way too much time cursing our cities, cursing the city councils and the mayors and the governors. We need to heed to what this word says. It says, pray for the good. Come on now. Work for the good of the city where I've taken you as captives and pray to the Lord for that city. Oh God, burn it down to the ground. I pray. Really? That's not what he's saying. Pray for the good. And then it says, when it prospers, you will also prospers. Come on, friends. This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel says, and so on. I'm, I'm going to skip down to verse, uh, da, 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 da. well, verse 10 says, when Babylon is 70 years over, that's verse 10, I will come to you and I'll keep my promise and bring you back to this place. So if you think that there's a better place, you know, a lot of us feel like, man, there's a better place to go, man. I, I wish I was in fill in the blank. 
man, I'm moving to Texas, or that's it, I'm moving to New York. Really? Have fun with that. (laughs) I'm just saying. I'm going to move to New York City. Have fun with that. Don't ride the subway. Unless you have strong faith. Ready to have a lot of goodness flowing in you. Verse 11, I know the plans that I have for you. This is right now. This is talking to you right where you live. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. They are plans for peace and not disaster. Plans to give you a future filled with hope. Hallelujah. Never believe the geographic cure. Oh, if I can only live in fill in the blank. If I can only live in Marin County, life would be good. Really? How about going where God assigned you to move and stay there? How about standing on the word of God? How about being a Christian wherever God has planted you? There was another, there was another translation that said, and stay there. Go to that city where I've caused you, if things have worked out, to where that's where you're at. Okay? And stay there. Now, I'm not telling you if you're, if you're moving to Arizona or, uh, you know, Texas or whatever. I'm not, I'm not telling you, I'm not saying that you've discerned that in your heart, but I'm just saying as a general principle, we are called and assigned. We're not doing a multiple choice. We're not on vacation. We're on assignment. When you sign up in the military, they station you someplace. Oh, I didn't like the weather. Tough! You're assigned. Oh, I didn't know it was rain that much. Tough! You're assigned. And then it says, in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, it says, having done all to stand, stand therefore. You've got to have that helmet on. You've got to have that breastplate of righteousness. You need the belt of truth. Dear God, we need truth today. You need the preparation of the gospel of peace that's happy news those are happy shoes <laughs> you need the shield of faith the sword of the spirit did I miss something <laughs> a helmet of salvation praise the Lord but it says this having done all to stand stand therefore and I, if I'm not mistaken somewhere it says that you may be able to stand in the in the what come on Christian I can't hear you in the evil day Hey, what, what, what does it look like? What, what, what does it look like out there? Well, I'll tell you what. It's going to be like Goshen, like Pastor Nancy was preaching the other day. Uh, you know, like, like there, there's going to be darkness except when I show up. Like, dude, dude, did you just see that? Who is that person? It's like, it's like super dark, you know. And then you walked in. Caleb walked in. Light came in. And everybody goes... Then you open your mouth. And then you share the love of God. Oh. Live your life. Live it well. Right where you are. Don't plan on jumping around and hopping and try to escape something. We're not escaping. That goes right back to that philosophy of self-fulfillment. That whatever makes me happy, I need to. I need to be happy. I need to do what I like. Friends, you're in the army now. <laughs> and there's no better company to be in than the household of love and faith. Can you sense him? Let's pray, Lord. I thank you for your presence. Lord, I pray for all of our friends that live in in very dark places. But Lord, we are in agreement with your word that those that sit in darkness, and there's multitudes of them, there's multitudes of people sitting in darkness. Lord, we, we pray, I pray right now, we pray for one another that they will see a great light. We thank you that the light of your word and the light of your love and your gospel will be seen on us that you have risen upon each of us of every station, every age, man, woman, boy, and girl, 
that the life and the love of God is strong in us. And we're anointed. And we're called for the last days. Right where we are. We're anointed and called to shine. Shine the light. In our neighborhood. And in our little world where we shop. We're anointed in our neighborhoods, with our neighbors, with our co-workers. We're anointed to speak to strangers and bring them in to the kingdom. Ha-ha. And scales are falling off. Ha. And they're seeing the truth that the God of this world has to let them go. And so with a voice not of timidity, but with a voice of authority, we say, South, give up. North, give up. East and West, give up. Give them up. And allow the sons and daughters to come from afar. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, thank you, Lord. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to speak something out. And if it's you, you need to grab it. The spirit of fear has not just intimidated you. It has absolutely petrified you. Afraid of COVID. Afraid of people. Afraid of crowds. Afraid of getting sick. Getting assaulted. We're going to take authority over that right now in the name of Jesus. I'm going to say something. It doesn't sound very compassionate, but you or anyone that's in a spirit of fear will actually draw what you want, what you don't want, what you're afraid of. It'll actually draw it to you. You're, if you're afraid of accidents, like car accident, and you're, you're like, oh, oh, accidents, then you're a good candidate for an accident. You draw it. But if you do what faith demands, you say, I take authority over that spirit of fear. I go from here to there, and in Jesus' name, I resist accidents in Jesus' name. I don't have accidents. Wherever I go, I'm pleading the blood of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something. A thousand may fall at your side. Ten thousand may fall at your right hand. There was a pileup on 880. Yeah. But it. But it. I said it shall not come nigh you. And you don't get this kind of deliverance by being afraid. You get this kind of deliverance with a spirit of faith, I will say, of the Lord. You are my refuge. You are my high tower. My God, in whom I will trust. He will give his angels charge over you. To deliver you like he delivered me in Jack in the Box. Please pray that that'll never happen to me. I says, well, I can't pray that because we live in a fallen world. But I can pray that whatever the circumstances, you will be protected, that God's hand will be upon you. And if you're not in fear, but in faith, the Lord will help you. Why? Because Jesus prayed for you. Lord, I take authority over that spirit of fear that has held many captive, those that are afraid to drive on the freeway, those that are afraid to go to the shopping mall, those that are afraid even to park their car on the street because there's been so much evil. In Jesus' name, I take authority over the spirit of fear. Come on, join your faith with mine. Fear is a horrible thing. In the name of the Lord Jesus, loose them now in Jesus' name. Loose them now in the name of Jesus. And I pray, God, that a spirit of boldness would come upon them. For you have not given them a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Calm, 
well-balanced, and disciplined mind. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Well, what, what just happened there? Well, a lot happened, if you believed. Praise the Lord, a lot happened. There's a lot of people praying here. That's, it's just that simple. We had to do a whole lot more praying and less worrying. Come on. Stop the worry and start praying, friends. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed.